Well, hello, church. It is great to be with you. My name's Ethan, one of the ministers here, and I love that we have made it to December. I always love December. I love the Christmas season. And this year, honestly, I'm just flying high a little bit because not only is this going to be a great month, but last month was just fantastic. Ran into somebody at a bagel shop last week. They said, how have things been going at church lately? You know, that's what preachers get asked. And I tell you, normally I just say, well, you know, all right, or whatever. But I tell you, I couldn't stop talking about how things, I just, what an amazing season we have been through just just recently, getting to celebrate our 150th, then sponsoring kids two weeks ago, and now here we are to Christmas. I love Christmas. Tell you about little things going on. Um, one of the things we do every year that some of you know about and are asked about is our end-of-year offering. I want to tell you about the strategy for that. There are two realities that are kind of before us. One is uh, we need to finish with a strong December. Most We always do. Uh, at, in order to continue to fund and move forward the mission of our church, we need a strong December. But the other reality is we want to make sure our December is about generosity beyond our church walls. So what we do with our end-of-year offering, just so everybody knows, is... We, we ask for and challenge our congregation to a good offering to support the budget. And always, 20% of our church budget goes right out the door to serve our community and to serve around the world. But in December, on top of that, before we even get to that, 20% of all that's giving in December goes to our end-of-year generosity in our community. Uh, this year, we're doing a few things with that. We're going to partner with some other churches to build a Habitat for Humanity house. Uh, we're going to do some work with an organization here uh, called LXI that just does amazing work uh, with teens. We're going to help them build a new kitchen. Uh, we're going to partner with a group called IDES, the International Disaster Emergency Services, that they, wherever in the world, World, things bad things are happening, they show up to try to bring healing and hope in the name of Jesus. We're going to partner with some work they're doing, uh, helping Haiti recover from its recent earthquake. And then we're also going to fund our internship program called the Send Fund that trains uh, people for the next generation of ministry. So all that. So the way it works is in December, 20% of everything that's given before it goes to our budget goes to those outside projects and then beyond that goes to the work we're doing through our budget. So I just wanted you to understand that. And I would ask you, if you believe in the mission of what we're doing as a church and you're able to give generously in December, I hope that you'll do that so we can have a strong finish to our year. And along the way, we're asking the most important question of Christmas, which is who? Now, it might not be the most common question. Uh, the most common question might be what, right? What am I going to get for Christmas? What am I going to give for Christmas? What am I going to bring to the party? What am I going to eat at the party? Or, or maybe all the questions you're asking right now are when. When can we find time to finish the decorations? When can we find time to finish the shopping? When are we going to go visit family? Or when is family going to come visit us? Or maybe you're asking, when are the Christmas Eve services? What a great question. Here they are. Thursday, December 23rd at 7 p.m. And Friday, December 24th at 1 p.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. So if you're slammed with family stuff all day on Christmas Eve, come on Christmas Eve Eve at 7 p.m. Uh, and throughout the day on, on Friday, we've got times throughout the day so we can fit in with your schedule. Find out when it's good for your family. Bring as many people as you can. Let's pack the room and worship together on Christmas Eve. But as important as the win question is, the most important question is who? 
John got us started last week asking this question. Is it crystal clear to you who Jesus is and how you are going to respond? Do you you have clarity on who Jesus is? Because Jesus wants you to have clarity. Uh, We looked last week at the Gospel of John where again and again Jesus says, I am, and then tells us who he is. Uh, This is so beautiful because the name I am that Jesus is using for himself was was the Old Testament name for God. But if you go look in the Old Testament, this name I am was meant to communicate mystery. Moses asks, if I go in your name, in the name of what God should I go? And God responds, I am who I am. It's mystery. But then Jesus embraces the divine name for himself, not for the purposes of mystery, but for the purposes of clarity. He says, I am life. I am the way. I am living water. I am bread. I am the door. Because Jesus wants you to know who he is. Wants you to have clarity. John Introduce this to us. He also introduced to us our Advent devotional, which is for that purpose. We've got this thing we've put together here. Uh, one for every day of the month of December up to Christmas. 25 different little devotionals. Each one on an ornament, just like this. They're real tiny. Each one a name of Jesus. So, for instance, on, uh, if you already started, then yesterday, December 4th, you read about Jesus as the living water. And then there was a scripture text you could read. And then a little devotion about what that means. And and I hope, if you didn't pick up one of these sets of ornaments, I hope you will today uh, to cover our production costs. If you're able to make a donation of $4 for one or $10 for three, get one for yourself, get one for your friends and neighbors. We want everybody to have one of these because the who question is the big question of Christmas. That's the big question, is the who question. I know that. Not because we're asking the who question, but because Jesus asked the who question. Jesus asked, who do you think that I am? Mark, Matthew, Luke all record the conversation. It was in the middle of a great big busy season of Jesus' ministry. He was feeding thousands of people, teaching thousands of people, healing the sick. And in the middle of all the busyness, he's kind of transitioning from one region to another. And as they head toward Caesarea Philippi, it says this, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked them, the, 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 the main, most important question of Christmas. He asked them, who do people say that I am? And, and they said, well, uh, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others say you're one of the prophets. He says, yeah, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ. See, this is the big question of Christmas. Who is Jesus? 
So Jesus asks his disciples, they've seen all the signs, they've seen all the miracles, they've heard all the teaching, but do they know who I am? Are the people starting to figure out who I am yet? And the answer is sort of, not really. No, no, not really. And then Jesus asks the next question. Really, the more important question is not who do they say that I am, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? You, my disciples, have you figured out who I am yet? What about us? What about us today? You know, people say sometimes that we're, we're losing sight of the, the meaning of Christmas. And I, I don't know, that may be true, but, but I think most people know what Christmas means. They know it has something to do with the birth of Jesus. I think if we're losing sight of the meaning of anything, it's not the meaning of Christmas. It's the meaning of Jesus, right? Like we know it's Jesus' birthday. We just don't know who he is. And so we gotta, we got to know what Peter's saying. I'll go back to what the question John asked last week. Is it crystal clear to you who Jesus is and how you are going to respond? Peter knew. Peter had an answer. You are the Christ. And, and it's a Christmas answer too, right? This was one of the very first things the angels said when they, when they showed up and went to the shepherds. They said, today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Christ. He is the King. So way back on Christmas, they announced it. And Peter has watched all this unfold. And he's like, I've got you figured out, Jesus. I know who you are. You're the Christ. And this word, this word Christ, it's not like his nickname. It, it means something. The, the word by itself, the word Christ and Messiah are just the, the Greek and Aramaic versions of the same word. It just means anointed. That's just the, what the word kind of means all by itself. It means anointed. And a person was anointed. What that meant was they had been ceremonially set apart for a mission on God's behalf. You could be anointed as a king or anointed as a prophet or anointed as a priest. You could even just be anointed as a messenger. That just meant you'd been given a mission by God and God had kind of empowered you and given you the authority to accomplish the mission. So that's just what the word means. You're, you're anointed by God with a mission. But Jesus wasn't just a Christ. He was the Christ. Because, see, along the way, God's people had noticed that in the midst of this talk about prophets and priests and kings who were anointed, God kept mentioning that there was a Christ who was coming who was going to be different. God kept promising an anointed one who would come and establish the kingdom of God and the reign of God and accomplish God's purposes in the world. We see this promises, promise in Genesis and Exodus and, and Deuteronomy and, and the Psalms and Kings and Chronicles. We, we see it in Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Malachi and Zechariah just again and again and again in the midst of everything else they have to say, they would say, oh, Oh, and by the way, God's going to send somebody. 
God's going to send an anointed one. So when Peter says you are the Christ, he doesn't just mean you've been anointed. He means you're the one. You're the promised anointed one. He was the, the hoped for one who would accomplish the purposes of God and reign in God's place. That's what they thought the Messiah would do. They thought the Messiah would reign, which is why it, it, when he says you're the Christ, he doesn't just mean you're the, the promised anointed one. He means you're the promised anointed one who will be king. That's what Peter means. Jesus says, who do you think I am? And he says, you're the Christ. You're the promised anointed one who will be king, who will reign, who will rescue, who will establish God's justice and God's rule forever. N.T. Wright says that when, when English readers read the word Christ to help us remember that it's not like a nickname or like his last name, we should, we should instead of reading the word Christ, just every time we should see it, we should just say promised anointed king promised anointed king. So it's not Jesus Christ. It's Jesus, the promised anointed king. Jesus, the promised anointed king. But there's more to it even than that. Because when Peter says you are the Christ, he means you are the promised anointed king who will keep all the other promises. That's why God's people so eagerly awaited the Messiah, not just because the Messiah was promised, but because through the Messiah, God had promised to keep all the other promises. It was the keeping of this promise, the sending of the Messiah, that created the context and the power by which God would keep all the other promises. We so eagerly awaited the keeping of this promise, the sending of the promised anointed king, because it was the promised anointed king who would keep all the other promises. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Uh, Luke chapter 4, one of Jesus' very, very first sermons. Uh, he's come to a He's come to a, uh, back to Nazareth, his hometown, and he's going to preach there in Nazareth. And this is what the text says. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up on the Sabbath day. He went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and then Jesus rolls up the scroll. He gives it back to the attendant. He sits down. Everybody looks at him and he says, Today. This is the day. Right now. Today. This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And Peter paid attention. And Jesus asks, who do people say that I am? And Peter's like, well, other people are confused. They're not so sure. They think maybe you're a prophet or maybe you're a good teacher. And we can look around our world and we see that today. People are confused about who Jesus is. Maybe he's a prophet or maybe he's a good teacher or maybe he's just a mythical, fe mythical figure. But Peter says, I've been paying attention and I know who you are. 
you are the Christ. You're the one we've been waiting for who was promised and sent and anointed by God to be the king who would keep all the other promises. That's what Peter's saying. When we say that Jesus is the Christ, this is what we speak. I'll be honest, my guess is that a lot of us have used those words a million times and not known what we were even saying. To say that Jesus is the Christ is to say he's the one God guaranteed would come who would be anointed by God with the mission to establish God's kingdom under his reign so that through him all the promises of God would be kept. See, I'm telling you, this is why the who question matters so much. Because if you know that's who Jesus is, well, that could change how you live your week, couldn't it? What did John ask us last week? Is it crystal clear to you who Jesus is and how you're going to respond? We we could talk for hours more about what changes about how we live our lives when we believe that Jesus is the Christ and we understand what that claim means. But maybe I'll I'll just look at a couple that I just think maybe could just help you see, okay, this who question really would make a difference. And then maybe you'll go search out more. Uh, Maybe use this devotion. I really think it'll help you understand who Jesus is, and I believe it will change your outlook on life if you know who Jesus is. But here are just a couple things that change if we understand that Jesus is the Christ, okay? Because if Jesus is the Christ, that means that God kept God's great big promise, the one he started giving in Genesis, that he would send a Savior, that he would send a king, that he would send a prophet, that he would send a priest, he would send the one to set all things. If Jesus is the Christ, if the Christ has come, if a messianic promise has been fulfilled, that means God kept God's big promise. And if God kept God's big promise, that means we can trust God to keep all the other promises. I'm just telling you, I live differently when I trust God to keep God's promises. I just do. I walk through the world differently. I encounter struggles differently. I I handle chaos better when I trust that God was going to keep God's promises. And if Jesus is the Christ, that means God has kept God's promises, so God will keep God's promises. Paul makes this exact argument in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. He's been talking about the promises of God and how we look at these promises and maybe you, like me, you wonder, will God keep these promises? And, and somebody suggests the answer is no, God won't keep the promises. And somebody else suggests the answer is yes. And maybe you're stuck in the middle thinking the answer is maybe. And here's what he said, verse 20. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Remember, Christ isn't his name. It's his accomplishment. They are yes in the promised anointed king who keeps all promises. That's what the word Christ means. And so through him, 
All we get to do is say amen. When God makes a promise, God says yes, we say amen, spoken by us to the glory of God. Verse 21, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm. How? In the promised, anointed king who keeps all promises. We stand firm in Christ. And you can see how knowing what it means that he is the Christ, it actually makes sense to stand firm. If he is the promised anointed king who keeps all promises, man, I could stand on that. And then he goes on and he says, in fact, he anointed us. Remember, that's what the word Christ means, right? We also are anointed. Set his seal of ownership on us. Put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing What is to come? God anointed Christ so that all promises would be kept. And we now are anointed as a guarantee of the promises God will keep in our lives. Who Jesus is. Knowing who Jesus is, it will change how you live. Jesus says, who do you say I am? Peter says, I know who you are. I have figured you out, Jesus. I have got your number. You're the Christ. One other example of what would change if you really began to understand um, uh, who Jesus was and what it means that he is the Christ. Fundamentally, we keep saying that the word Christ means the anointed one of God. When God anoints someone, it is to send them on a mission. God never anoints somebody just for them to sit around. They are anointed for a purpose, for a mission. So the fact that Jesus is the Christ means that he is a sent king. He is a king sent by God to rescue us. And if we are servants of a sent king, well, then we are a sent people. If we are serving a king and our king has a mission, well, then his mission becomes our mission, right? That's the way it works. Like Whatever the king is into, everybody's into. And our king is into accomplishing the mission of God, which means if he is a sent king, we are a sent people. And again, this changes how we look at our mission in the world. One of my most, just I think, most incredible passages in the life of the early church is in Acts chapter 4. It's this amazing prayer meeting, and I'm going to talk about it in just a second. But the whole prayer meeting hinges on the fact that they know that Jesus is the Christ. Like everything about their prayer depends on them understanding that Jesus is the anointed one who was promised by God to be king to keep God's promises. Okay? Acts chapter 4 is a time of great um, hardship in the life of the early church. Um, The persecution of the local religious and political leaders is growing. They have decided it is time to shut down this young Jesus movement. And so uh, the two most important leaders of the early church, Peter and John, are put on trial. And at the end of this trial, the local leaders basically say, okay, we're not going to do anything to you now. Like now you can go. But let's be clear. If you keep talking about Jesus, we're going to kill you. And it's not an idle threat. They actually do it two chapters later. Like I say, today we're letting you off with a warning, but this is it. This is the last warning. This Jesus movement has got to get shut down. And so Peter and John go back. And I want you to just pay attention to the prayer meeting that the church has 
right after that trial. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. And they reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. They went back and said, all right, here's the deal, folks. They didn't do anything today. But if we keep talking about Jesus, they're going to kill us. That's our report. Verse 24. When the people heard this, they began to pray. That totally makes sense, right? When you found out the local government's going to try and kill you, Totally makes sense to pray. So far, completely logical text, okay? They begin to pray, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. I I like this prayer. We're starting off with God's power. Makes sense. We're in trouble. We're going to remember God's power. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage? Why do they plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and his anointed one. Their first prayer is to remember the Christ. That's that phrase, the anointed one means, the Christ. You predicted, God, that the nations would rise up against your anointed. We knew this was coming When you promised the promised anointed king who would keep all promises, you also promised that people would rise up against him. And then in verse 27, they talk about how that's exactly what happened. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Again, they're they're pounding into their own hearts the reminder that Jesus is the Christ. It's not a nickname. It's not his last name. It's a reminder that he is the promised anointed king who came to keep God's promises. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And then look at verse 29. This might be the craziest prayer, I don't know, maybe in the whole Bible. Every time I read this prayer, I'm just struck again. Here's what they pray. Remember the situation, right? They just got on a trial. They got let off with a warning. If you you will let you go now, but if you keep talking about Jesus, we're going to kill you. That's what they say. Verse 29, the people pray. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Nobody invited me to this prayer meeting. If I was there, I know how I would have finished that prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and keep us all safe. Now, Lord, consider their threats and make sure that Mike will shut his mouth and not get us all killed. Now, Lord, consider their threats and protect your church. But they've just been talking about the Christ The one who was sent on a mission promised by God to reign as king and keep God's promises. And he faced opposition and he faced death. And that didn't deter him from his mission. He was just as sent in the face of crucifixion as he was sent when the thousands cheered him on at the feeding of the 5,000. And because they know who Jesus is, this is what they pray. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. I love that prayer. God, pay attention to how threatened we are. And we're pretty scared, too. And so would you just make this the boldest season of preaching we've ever had in our entire lives? Like, we just want to go crazy. 
Like we want everybody to hear about Jesus because we don't know how long we got before they'll kill us. So the pressure's on and the clock is ticking. So let's get this done. Let us speak your word with boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal. Perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't know another word the Bible uses for filled with the Holy Spirit? anointed. It's the same concept. And they spoke the word of God boldly. Acts chapter 4, I tell you, it fires me up. It gives you chills. You see, they knew who Jesus was. And because they knew who Jesus was, they knew who they were. They were servants of a sent king, a king sent into opposition, a king sent into a world that did not love him and yet loved that world in return. And this, Acts chapter 4, that's how servants of a sent king pray. The servants of a sent king, we pray like this. We say, God, you sent Jesus He was your anointed, even in the face of the opposition. Would you please, God, send me? That's how the servants of a sent king pray. Because the servants of a sent king are a sent people. John gave us a question last week. Is it crystal clear to you who Jesus is? And how you are going to respond? Another way we could ask that is the way Jesus did. Who do you say that I am? And I just want to tell you, if you answer that question the same way Peter answered that question, and I hope you do. If you answer that question the same way Peter answered that question, and I hope you do, it will change how you live. Some of you need this change in your life today. You can just practice this change with me right now. Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? And with Peter, you say, ooh, ooh, I know, I know. I paid attention in Sunday school today. I listened to the preacher today. I know who you are. You are the Christ. You're the the one God promised that God anointed to be the king who would keep all the other promises. And if, if, if that's who he is, I mean, that could just change how you live this week. Some of you right now are in desperate hope, desperate doubt, all mixed together, wondering if God's going to keep God's promises. You know, is God's going to keep God's promise to dry every tear? Is God going to keep God's promises to re- restore all people to one family under God? Is God going to keep God's promise to heal the broken and comfort the lonely? I want to know, don't you? And I just want to say, if if Jesus is the Christ, well, that means God already kept the big promise. And through Jesus, he'll keep all the other promises. Uh, You might be able to just live differently this whole week if you just remember that. Every time you say Jesus Christ, you just remember that's not his last name. That's a specific claim about his identity. That he is the one who has fulfilled God's promises and will keep them all. Every promise in Christ, every promise in Christ is yes. That's what Paul says. Maybe this one, maybe this could change your life this week. Do you believe that 
Jesus is the Christ, the promised anointed king who keeps all God's promises? Well, if that's true, then you know that your king was a sent king. He was a king with a mission. And if he's got a mission, that means you've got a mission. What's your mission this week? What's your mission this month, you know? I mean, I know this sounds trivial, but it could just be that your mission this month is to tell somebody that Jesus is the Christ. And tell them, like, what it means. Like, did you know that God made this great big promise over thousands of years, and then all of a sudden, boom, God kept it. And what God said was, through the one that kept that promise, God would keep all promises. Maybe that's your mission this week, is to tell somebody that, that Jesus is the Christ, and tell them what it means. Maybe your mission is to to invite somebody to youth group on Wednesday night. Got some teenagers sitting up front. Glad y'all came back, second hour. They abandoned me, uh, second hour. It was embarrassing. I'll tell you that story later. But um, we had a baptism. They all came for the baptism. And just as I started preaching, like every teenager in the room got up and left. It was really embarrassing. But some of them came back, so that's good. Or maybe your mission is to invite somebody to youth group this this week. Maybe that's it. Some of y'all are going to have a Christmas party, Okay. You're going to have a Christmas party. I love Christmas parties. I hope everybody has a Christmas party. Big fan of Christmas parties. Just do this. Just If you have a Christmas party, make sure half the people you invite are people that you don't know if they know that Jesus is the Christ. Make sure half the people you invite, you don't know if they got a church, a place where they're going to hear about Christ's love this Christmas. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. You don't know. You don't know them that well. Just have half the people you invite be like that. Why would you do that? Well, because you have a sent king and that means you're a sent person because the servants of a sent king are sent people. That's just, it's just that simple. And you're like, but, but it's scary and whatever. And I'm like, go read Acts 4. Yeah, it's scary. But if Jesus is the Christ, that's, that's who we are. We got invite cards. John mentioned those earlier, invite cards. Grab an invite card and you take that invite card. And I just dare you to take that invite card and say, God, give me a chance to give this to somebody. You just make, you just pray that prayer. You just pray it boldly and big. Say, God, I'm going to grab this invite card. God, give me a chance to give this to somebody. I think God would answer that prayer. I think it might be the coolest story you could tell about the whole year if you took that card and prayed that prayer. I don't know. But I know this. Jesus says the who question matters. And he asks it about everybody. Who do they say that I am? What's the word on the street? But then he asks you. Who do you say that I am? And if you with Peter are ready to say, Jesus, I think I've got you figured out. I think you're the Christ. You're the one God promised and anointed to be king who by God's power would keep God's promises. You believe that this week? I think it'll change your life. If you need to step into that faith for the first time, I hope you'll come talk to me after the service. That'd be pretty cool. It will change your life. Maybe right now I'm just going to pray that you could go changed by that understanding. Let me pray for you. God, maybe just a little bit now we understand what it means to say you are the Christ. And now I just pray that you would let that understanding become knowledge. 
that we would know in our spirits that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the promised, anointed king come to keep all promises. And that we would trust in your promises, God, more today because you have kept your promise through Jesus Christ. And that we would trust that we have a mission, God, today because we know that our king was anointed with a mission. And we are the servants of a sent king, which makes us a sent people. And I just pray, God, that it would become true. Maybe it's, whether it's through these devotions, God, or through these sermons, that over this season we would come to know Jesus more. And as we know who Jesus is, we would be transformed by him. For Jesus is the one, God, and it is in his name that we approach your throne, in his name that we give you glory, and in his name that we pray all these things. Amen.